Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. So, Anya, what did we watch? Well, Kevin, we just watched The Mystery of the Solid Gold Kicker, which, of course, was an episode of the Hardy Boys slash Nancy Drew Mysteries that aired on May 22nd, 1977. This, of course, folks, was the 14th episode of season one of this retro groovy show. And it was a mistake for us to watch it. <laughs> we were... 
we thought we were getting into like some wild shit here, you know, like just let's have some shit. fun and have a really wild episode of Nancy Drew. And you mm. you went and you looked at some of the plot summaries. And he said, "Kevin, I stake my reputation. This episode sounds incredible, like college athletics and a murder mystery that sounded wacky." And it wasn't. It was just kind of boring. So it opens though with uh, Howard Cosell, and I was curious. You're uh, a very young thing. You're very innocent and sweet and naive. You don't know the ways of the world. So okay. do you? Do you, as a younger American, are you familiar with Howard Cosell? No, not not in the least. Name doesn't even ring a bell. So Howard Cosell, in the seventies and the eighties, he was he he tried to sound very erudite. He was a sportscaster who tried to sound erudite, and he loved media attention he loved putting other people down uh and so for a while he was everywhere so he's he's on an episode of nancy drew he's has a cameo in the woody allen film bananas he is the mc on one of your parents favorite programs battle of the network stars oh jesus he inexplicably is the opening announcer for a frank sinatra concert called the main event he's everywhere he must have had the hardest working agent in all of uh, sportsdom. And he also, uh, he happened to be broadcasting a, a football game when uh, John Lennon was shot down and killed. And he so he broke the news to the American public uh, during a football game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. He had like an emotional reaction, right? Right. Yeah. That's crazy. And so here he is on a, a really bad episode of Nancy Drew. All of his scenes, his scene, he's at the beginning of the show and the end of the show. All of his scenes very obviously shot in the same room at the same time. Uh, so what became of him? Uh, he died. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a, a you don't seem to, head. You don't you don't seem to really like him though. He was a very conceited, arrogant, unlikable person. Wow. I, I think. Tell he, me how you really feel though. Uh, I think he was also uh, an alcoholic. Got to respect a drinking king. <laughs> he died in 1995. I'm looking him up now. Wow, he died a year after I was born. Coincidence. <laughs> Two of you couldn't exist in the same world. <laughs> I was reborn. Because <laughs> uh, the Wikipedia entry has a Cosell quote. Arrogant, pompous, obnoxious, vain, cruel, verbose, a show-off. There's no question that I'm all of these things. <laughs> and the rest of the quote cuts off. <laughs> <laughs> he at one point wrote uh, a memoir about his sports announcing career where he just shat on everybody and it got him into a lot of trouble and he ended up losing some jobs after that oh, shit. it's a very a very unpleasant man why do people like him it doesn't sound like he engender a lot of public goodwill well i read one of his books and i enjoyed it because there's something there's something about he's a like a heel he's like a heel in wrestling is like the bad guy everyone loves to hate and he at least creates the illusion that there's a bit of humanity in there and he'll just tell you whatever's on his mind 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know him, and then you don't know football at all, and I barely know football. And he's, he was very so funny in Bananas. We're there's, unequipped for this episode. There's, there's a scene where Woody Allen has sex with a woman, and then Howard Cosell comes in to do the play-by-play and analyze how he did. Are you still talking about this man? <laughs> he fa- Would you rather talk about this episode? <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. Do you want to talk about the episode? Yes. Another thing I'll say is one of the people on this episode is the celebrated television actor, Mark Harmon, a very talented actor. Horrible in this episode. Okay, so who was he? He was Chip. That was Chip? Yes. What the fuck? Okay, I did not realize that at all. You said, oh, Mark Harmon's in this, you know, future Ted Bundy, future... uh, Future John Dillinger, yeah. future NCIS guy, mm-hmm. future sexiest man alive from St. Elsewhere, <laughs> Dr. Bobby Caldwell. Yeah, and this, I didn't I didn't recognize him at all as Chip. Is- and didn't show any acting talent whatsoever. He, <laughs> he did an abysmal job. In fairness, he was not given a lot to work with here. He did an abysmal job with what he was given. He really kicked the can down the road. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I, I think it just means that he actually that, that that metaphor. I don't think that even makes sense in this context. I think it no, just, no, you, you like you, passed the you, buck. <laughs> you did a horrible thing oh, there. Oh fuck you! Wasn't wasn't kick the can a, a big part of the uh, 1983 tri- Twilight Zone movie? That was a good movie. Parts of it. Like voices cracking, your eyes look wild. I'm trying to avoid this episode. Let's just. I swear to God, Kevin, I, Kevin, I wish I'd done that like an hour ago. Kevin. Let's put on our helmets, put on our padding, and tackle this episode. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> I just like buns. Um, so we start out with uh, <laughs> uh, some team is doing well in college football, blah, blah, blah. Nancy and George are at the game. George is sitting with an older man who's named Ben. Nancy's in in a van with a bunch of news guys. The news director is calling the shots to figure out what to put on the TV. And the news director is an adult man who's been in the television business long enough to have risen to become the director of what we're told is a major sporting event. How old would you say this guy was? This guy was in his 30s. And he explains that the reason why he asked Nancy to sit in during the game to watch him direct is he wants to impress her. We don't know how, how old Nancy is in fairness. When this was filmed, I think Pamela Sue Martin was in her early to mid twenties. So are you saying a, a woman in her twenties can't date a guy who's in his thirties? Is that what you, Kevin Greenlee are saying? Oh, <laughs> I gotcha. Speechless for once. Now, I think what you are icked out by is in the original run of the uh, book series of Nancy Drew, she's 16. Later on, they age her up to uh, 18. That's that's the version of the books that I think a lot of people are familiar with. She's 18-year-old, titian-haired, super sleuth. Uh, but, I mean, I don't see any reason why we can't just assume she's in her 20s in this because she never goes to high school and, and seems to be working for her dad full-time, seemingly. Is she? Well, she's. She doesn't seem to have a job. Well, she like hops a plane to Boston in the drop of a hat, and later she does drop her hat. Oh, that's a crucial scene. Oh God, Kevin. (laughs) 
It's a bad episode. It, it, so, you, you mean, like, she can't, I mean, the same, you could say the same, you can't just hop on a plane if you're in school, you know? Can't you? No. You gotta go to school. Not if you're in college. I, I never, I, I was in college not that long ago, and I don't ever remember, like, being like, oh, sorry, prof. Like, gotta gotta bounce and just get get on a plane and go like talk to this football player across so the country. So you're saying they they took attendance at your college? They didn't, but you have responsibilities, and every class you're missing is like you're pissing money down the toilet. You're pissing money. You know the phrase. Okay. It's it's like a waste of money. It becomes it becomes more apparent to you that you're getting out know, to take your studies seriously, so you go to class. Or you, you say, hey, dear friend TK, can I look at your notes from this class that I'm going to miss? And then whenever you miss, I'll show you my notes. I just think it's ironic that Kevin Greenlee is, is taking issue with an age gap relationship. I, I regularly skip classes in college and in law school. Well, you're a bad boy and a known bad boy, but... uh. Nancy's not like that. Nancy would go to college. I, I, in law school, through some scheduling blunder, I once had a, a, a class that was like 8 a.m. on Mondays. I went to that class twice. Are you shitting me? What's what are you? What are you doing? How did you pass law school? <laughs> and I, I told myself that with this teacher, <laughs> there's so many people in that class. She wouldn't even notice that I'm not going. And then, like, one day right before the final, I, I pass, and she's, oh, Mr. Greenlee, it's nice to see you. What a doofus. Of course. It's law, it's law school. And you're, oh, Jesus Christ. You, you are such a naughty guy. Would, would you go to an 8 a.m. Monday class? I, w I wouldn't schedule one, in fairness. I just would not put myself in that position because, no, I would not. But I would not put myself in that position because I know myself. See, I had a scheme. That <laughs> anytime you have a scheme, I say this ought to be good. Each year in law school, I was able to make my weekend longer and longer. And at one point, I had the dream of the six day weekend, and that blew up in my face. But I think this year, six-day weekend the only way i could make that work was i had to take a class in advanced international taxation and it said it's strongly recommended that you have had earlier classes in taxation you just said recommended <laughs> so i'd not had any classes in taxation i thought well i can just kind of you know slip in through the cracks the class had like four people oh my god so you were like the resident idiot was everyone else just like mocking you and spitting on you constantly? All the other budding tax lawyers. So like after like uh, a week of this, or like like two weeks, it was like two classes. Uh, I got, <laughs> I I talked to one of the criminal law guys and said, hey hey, why don't I do a special little studies thing project with you? You know, darn the luck, I'll have to drop out this other class, but you know I'm willing to do that. But that meant on another day. And so I only had a five-day weekend. Oh, poor you! 
Everyone's think, weeping for you. Everyone's heart bleeds for you. But for like the semester before that, it was like the five day weekend, but I had to have this 8 a.m. Monday class. So that's why I signed up for it. Because <laughs> you're just nuts. Wouldn't you love a five-day weekend? You dreamed the impossible dream. Wouldn't you want a five-day weekend? Everyone, yeah. Thank you. I made it happen. I lived that dream. But at what cost? Well, the the final exam in that 8 a.m. Monday class that I never attended was a bit of a challenge. Oh, man. God. But I read the case book, you know, so, you know. Yeah, so it wasn't. I think it was like Article Three something or other. So it's not an area of law I've ever practiced in. <laughs> Thank God for everybody who's trying to just do honest work and do their taxes. Those people don't have a five day weekend, Kevin. <laughs> they don't need lawyers like you fucking around. <laughs> it was quite a dream. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I I I definitely carved out nice times for myself in college. The thing that always fucked up my schedule is two two semesters in, in a row I did um an all day Wednesday class and then it meant I couldn't really do like Monday Friday classes which kind of overloaded my Tuesdays and Thursdays days but it was kind of nice. Uh, Sounds like you had uh, a four day weekend. Well, no, I mean sometimes there'd be like a Monday afternoon class or a Friday afternoon class, so it wasn't a pure four day weekend. So you couldn't make it work like I did. You didn't have the moxie I, or the savvy. I, <laughs> I didn't have the like death drive that you did. <laughs> And, and I remember uh, I was friends with uh, a, a young lady in law school. Oh, who's this? A young lady named Tabitha. And Tabitha would frequently uh, take trips and stuff, even during the class schedule, calendar. Her attitude was, once I graduate, I'm going to be working and won't have time to enjoy trips. So I'll take trips now, run up a big debt, and then I'll, I'll make a fortune in taxation law or whatever. So that was so. There was people who do just take. So maybe she is in college. They were letting a bunch of fucking airheads into IU in the nineties, weren't they? <laughs> I'm gonna take on a lot of debt for vacations. I'm gonna do a five day weekend. This isn't a vacation, folks. <laughs> this is law school. What are you all doing? What the hell? <laughs> I've never heard of anything like this. Haven't I told you these stories? Yeah, but not in the same comp, not combined together. Now I'm seeing a pattern. Did some other guy say, oh, you know what? I'm going to do all my law classes on a Tuesday so I can devote the rest of the week to building a big hot air balloon and like flying it around in a big top hat. Is that is that the, th- the third person in your trio with Tabitha? <laughs> I had a couple of uh, friends who also aspire to longer and longer weekends. Oh my god! I we'd we'd often uh, <laughs> meet and talk about the Price is Right. Oh god, the Price is Right Club. This is where all this crazy radicalism was starting. Jesus Christ! I remember one guy told me he was he was amazed. He was watching the Price is Right, and the big prize that day was a beautiful vacation, a lovely honeymoon in picturesque Death Valley. He found that very amusing. And a six-day weekend to boot. <laughs> I, I never quite made that work. That international taxation, advanced international taxation. Boy, was that an embarrassing situation. <laughs> Kevin, it's not that you're a bad student. It's just that you're very stupid. I need you to leave this class right now. 
It said those those other classes were recommended, not required, but sometimes recommendations are strongly worded. <laughs> I think a, a, a year or so later, I happened to see a catalog for the law school, and at that point, it said required. required. <laughs> they added the Kevin Greenley clause to the syllabus. It was like the three or four people in the class besides me and the professor all knew each other. I bet they had your picture up on the the professor's office. Like, do not admit this man. Don't let him in. He's just doing one of his weekend schemes. Oh, I was so proud of myself. I got better and better getting that weekend longer and longer. I'm, I'm glad you're proud of you. Jesus. You never pulled it off. You couldn't even do a measly four-day weekend. I had, a, I had a lot to do in college. I was, you know... I was doing a lot of things over the weekend that were not fun things. So time blurred together. So who made the worst decision there? You were doing all sorts of non-fun things. I was I was doing the student newspaper. I was doing uh museum work and I was I was doing a lot of cool shit. But, you know, I was very type A, you know. I thought, you know, maybe if I do a lot of of activities, I I won't be depressed and it turns out that's not <laughs> That's not a very long-term strategy, but, uh, you know, I definitely had an interesting time, so I don't, re no regrets. I have no regrets either. Yeah. <laughs> Made some good friends. Mr. Weekend. Caught up in some of my reading. <laughs> got a lot of TV viewing under my belt. Yeah, got some Price is Right. Price is Right, Adam 12, Law and Order. Ah, there you go. Picket Fences. Oh, well. The Profiler. The Pretender. Oh, God. It's going to be a list. Early edition. <laughs> Quantum Leap. Oh, no. Oh, geez. Um, some of those uh, some of those shows are, frankly, a little bit outdated. But you know what else is outdated, Kevin? It's the outfit that uh, George, Nancy's friend, was wearing in this episode. There's a truly bizarre scene after the game, after this kip, kicker named Chip wins the whole game. He's the star of the team. He keeps kicking field goals that win the games. And George and Nancy are invited to a party to celebrate the win. And George is wearing like some sort of like hippie kind of like weird old timey dress with this awkward bob. And she's like fucking like going crazy, dancing all over the place. And it's the most embarrassing thing because... Chip, the kicker, and Nancy are standing to the side talking about her like she's their five-year-old who's in ballet class for the first time. Like, wow, she's a really good dancer. Yeah, she has a lot of energy. She gets out there. She does her thing. And, like, it's cutting to George's awkward dancing. If, if a friend of mine ever talked about me like that, I would, like, go into hiding out of embarrassment. What the fuck was that? And was she really even dancing? She's just flailing around. Like, if you say, Kevin, I want to see you dance, and I say, oh, yeah, sure. And I'll move my arms awkwardly to shut you up. <laughs> and I'll be doing with this George character. Yeah, you're a, you're a lot of fun at parties, aren't you? <laughs> you're a lucky young lady. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, I guess and all those offers to take me clubbing were just uh, <laughs> just smoking mirrors. I'm taking you to a club this weekend. That's true. So ha ha! Once again, you've get to jive to some cool indie tunes. <laughs> hoisted upon your own pretard. Ooh. You really stepped into this time. <laughs> and so this guy is such a good kicker. They constantly, like Howard Costello is always saying, oh, so much rests on this man's foot. 
his terrific toe. Yeah, they keep talking about that. It's a little weird. I mean, how would you feel if people say, well, so much rests on your foot, Anya? I'd be like, some foot fetishes have broken into the studio. and uh... It was very awkward. <laughs> yeah, it was It was awkward. It, it, it got to the point. It was like, okay, maybe once it's kind of just a weird turn of phrase, but they kept using it. I don't really watch or follow football. Maybe that's common terminology that people use when talking about a kicker. But it seemed weird to me as a, as a lay person, for sure. And like uh, this this kicker Mark Harmon is with Nancy at this party has like his arm around her, uh, so I don't know what's going on there. And then all of a sudden, uh, a blonde woman appears and uh, starts yelling at the kicker, saying, "Oh, you brought me down here from Boston, and uh, now you're dolling it up or you're tarting it up with this Nancy Drew. What's wrong with you?" And, and the kicker just stands there speechless. And so, why? Why why didn't he just say, I don't know you? I don't know you. Maybe It seemed like he knew her a little bit, so maybe he was just too stunned to say anything. I don't know. It was, it was dumb. And also, later on, Nancy reveals that that woman is known for flashing her breasts on live TV during the football game. So, touch a class. <laughs> I, I don't remember that. They said that. She's like, she and George were talking, and, and George is like, who was that girl? And Nancy's like, I remember her. She's always flashing during the game. And so I guess that's what she's known for. That's kind of an embarrassing thing to be known for, but I guess everyone has their own thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say for the record, maybe you're right, but I don't, I, I don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> Do we need to pause this and go and look? Yes. Okay, fine. We're gonna pause the. T- we're gonna we'll pause talking. Recording. Yeah, leave it recording. We're gonna go look. I'm right. After you, my dear Alphonse. <laughs> no, you got stopped. So let's go, let's go to the tape. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. Where'd you know Paula from, anyway? Oh, I've seen her on TV. She's one of those girls who are always flashing on the screen during the games. Oh, no! So I think what we've learned here <laughs> today is that you, you have a very dirty mind. <laughs> These are nice young ladies. <laughs> so you, you can see that she's one of the girls they flash on the screen. In other words, she's a girl that they show briefly on the screen during the game you have you're always thinking about seeing girls breasts now kevin greenley that was an honest mistake and like we're, we're being led to believe that this paula woman is kind of this loose lady who's uh kind of following around the the team and you know is, is really into the game so Pardon me if my mind jumped to something a little bit more sleazy than... And I was surprised by this because I'm like, this is a kid's show. I can't believe they put that in there. So I was startled. You have a filthy mind. No. I'm a lucky man. But you have a filthy mind. Fuck you. I'm a very lucky man, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, was, I, just, I just... I don't know what's... I just took that like, wow, I can't believe they put that racy number in. I remember when we were watching that for the first time, like you said, oh, wow, something breasts. And I said, yeah, breasts, Anya. <laughs> and we just kept on watching the show. I didn't know what you were talking about. 
So you just yes man me all the time. If you say anything about breasts, I'm gonna say yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a re recreation. But, but I'm not I'm not the one with the dirty mind there. You're the one. I even wrote down. I wrote down. I wrote. Down, we have take notes during this, and I wrote down. Nancy says blonde girl is always on TV flashing her breasts. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I hate that when you like think of something and like you're like, oh man, that was so inappropriate. And then you watch it, <laughs> you run it back and you show it to people and you're like, isn't this crazy? And then it turns out it was just you that was inappropriate. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, note how confident and cocky she was. Oh yeah, Kevin, we're going to see I was right. You're crazy. I was right in a way. <laughs> no. I was emotionally no. correct. No. You embarrassed yourself. <laughs> oh, if you What a display. If you don't stop talking to me like that, I might I might go do something at a football game. <laughs> That'll be a display. <laughs> That'll be embarrassing myself. I don't, I don't even know if that's a thing people do. So I might be. I don't think it is. <laughs> I might be. I don't think it is. I don't know. I was thinking like the speedway, you know, the the snake pit, people going nuts at sporting events. Like like Morgana, the kissing bandit, that sort of thing. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> moving on. She's bright red, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> You bested me this time, Kevin. <laughs> Don't get too cocky, though. You were so confident. Kind of pathetic to see. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. You made me watch a part of this episode a second time. Yeah, that's that's my revenge. So, so they have we can this, speed they have... through. I'm just going to say this. It's not a very interesting episode, so we can hit the big plot points without going into so much detail. But it's it's a pretty basic premise. Uh, so they have this big flashing conversation as Nancy and her f friend George, who George is short for Georgia because Georgia, George is, is a lady. Uh, I think it's just George. I mean, I know in some of the books they're like, oh, it's Georgia. But then in others, it's just like, nah, it's just George. They're having this conversation as George is driving Nancy home. And then as she's getting ready to drop Nancy off at home, she says, oh, no. Darn the luck. I forgot my purse. And I thought that was odd because most people keep their car keys in their purse. But yet she's driving a car with her car keys. And she didn't think it's like she took her car keys out of her purse, leaving the purse behind. Yeah, and I just kind of like, you know, this is the instigating incident, right? This is the, this is the spark that's going to set this episode of Flame with Mystery. Spark's a pretty strong word. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being hyperbolic on purpose for humor, for humorous effect. But the thing is, I mean, like, having some, like, George is kind of just Nancy's random friend who's there for comic relief. Having her be the one to see it all, it just almost feels like a weird choice story-wise like i want to see what nancy's doing what nancy's getting like figuring out as she goes and it's kind of like it, i don't know it's a minor quibble but so she's heading back there and let me just digress here for a second 
th- this program also it alternated between Nancy Drew one week, the Hardy Boys the following week. For a time. For a time, and then everybody hated the Nancy Drew episodes, and they were canceled, and then became all Hardy Boys all the time. Would this have worked better as a Hardy Boys episode, where like the boys are driving home and one of them's forgotten something? Yes, that's the thing. Nancy doesn't have a peer who can really work with her, and they could have written the show better so that George and then her other friend in the series, Bess would have been more peers to her and they do everything together. So it's more of a group ensemble thing, which is how the books are. But instead it's more of like Nancy alone. And then everyone else is kind of just being an idiot around her. So George starts heading back to the site of this party. And then we cut back to the party. And it's like one of those Columbo type things where we're seeing a crime set up. And maybe that's interesting on Columbo where the crime is really complicated and really interesting. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's fun. It's a spectacle. But this is this was just idiotic. The big thing was Mark Harmon is sitting there sleeping because he's been given some kind of a drug. It's going to knock him out just for a few minutes. So then the blonde lady lays down, and uh, the guy who played Bernie in Weekend at Bernie's, he like messes up her hair and he smashes a glass next to her, and then he wakes up. Mark Harmon says, "Oh my God, you killed her." And like Mark Harmer doesn't like stop and say, well, you know, she's breathing. Because I mean, you could see her. <laughs> you could see her breathing. Oh, so you could go over and you could like touch her neck, see if her pulse is going. I mean, you could do a lot of things here. And so then uh, Bernie takes Mark Harmon out of the room very quickly, says, don't worry about it. We're cover this up because we don't want to damage your career. And Mark Harmon says, oh, no, if I did something wrong, we should go to the police. And he said, oh, police, but this would wreck your career. What about your family? No, we're covered up. Don't you worry your pretty little head about it. What do you think is going to happen to your family when you go to fucking like jail when this blows up? I mean, this guy, Chip must be the stupidest character in existence to fall for this one. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. It's so dumb, but basically the plot is... So then... George arrives and she sees a bit of this tableau through the window. She sees the blonde lady lying there pretending badly to be dead, surrounded by broken glass. And she's, oh, my stars and garters, 
and she runs off and calls Nancy and the police. And then when the Nancy and the police come there, the woman is gone. There's no mass. So that that's that's the uh, that's the uh, plot. And yeah, and basically the the evil scheme is to get Chip the kicker to throw the next football game so that uh, organized crime can make money by betting. I guess on on the loss, basically. So it's a, it's like a rigged game story, and it it just when a when a I think maybe you find this too, Kevin. But like when a story is told and it's something where it's like we're we're supposed to imagine that a character has been put in a really tight spot, and that they can't do anything to get out of it. And they're just gonna have to go along with what's happening, um, and it's something where you could imagine yourself easily kind of like knocking the whole house of cards down without much effort at all or much will of character or anything just kind of like not being stupid um then it really kind of takes a lot of like the suspense out of right you know like the the whole story because you're just kind of like why don't you just not do any of this and then nancy's like dicking around trying to figure things out at one point she says oh i know what i'll do now there's a person in boston i want to talk to and the next shot is of a plane taking off, and she goes to Boston, and she talks to one guy for like two minutes. She says, oh, I, I talked longer, but I got a plane to catch. And then she immediately runs to fly back to wherever the hell she lives. So it's like, that could have been a phone call. Easily been a phone call. I know they didn't have email back then, but... <laughs> I like. Also, I mean, she's in Massachusetts, you know, right? I mean, like the the series in in the series, I'm pretty sure they're set in the TV series. It's set in Massachusetts. Her town of River Heights is not really distinguished as in any particular state in the book series, but in the show, it's Massachusetts. So why is she flying into Boston? Can't she like it drive? It's not that big of a state. I remember when she was driving in New York, she like hit a guy and thought she killed him. In this episode, really, like, George is driving her, so maybe she doesn't feel comfortable behind the wheel. She can't afford another DUI. <laughs> um, basically, there's a lot of hijinks involving uh, when George witnessed the dead body, she saw a lot of crystal shattered glass around the, the woman. So first they look in the guy's vacuum. It's not there. Then they look in the guy's garbage. The vacuum bag isn't there. But then they find the vacuum bag in a uh, in a garbage dumpster outside of a local grocery store. And some they both they both climb into the dumpster. A la Ma Manson girls. <laughs> inexplicably, at which point uh, a garbage truck comes and the guy starts like doing whatever you do in a garbage truck to pick up a dumpster to dump it into your truck. And he sees the girls in there and starts shaking his fist at them and telling them to get out. And it's just, is it, was that supposed to be funny? I think so. And and the thing that uh, also kind of uh, rubbed me the wrong way, like we, I hate shows where we're simultaneously supposed to believe that our main character is like the most talented, most expert, always gets it right. And over the course of the show, we see them get things right again and again and again. They never miss. There's never a fuck up. They just get everything right. And then also the authorities, the authority figures in the same show are constantly being like, what are you doing snooping around here? Go back to your sandbox. And like, that's so annoying. Uh, it's like, even if, even, like, 
there's ways you can do something like that where the police are like, listen, Nancy, we know you're always right. We appreciate you looking into this, but we don't want you to fuck up our case against this guy. And like a defense attorney would make hay about you meddling around here. That's a realistic barrier to Nancy's entry into the case. But it's not realistic that the cops, after she solved all the fucking mysteries that happened in this fucking town, that where they'd be like, ah, what are you doing snooping around here? Get out of here. And that's basically the cop's reaction to her looking into this uh, situation and believing her friend. I just That just annoys me. At a certain point, it's like, what are the authorities not seeing? You know, or they are they corrupt and trying to cover up for their own horrible crimes? Did the mayor kill his wife or something? What are we not seeing? Um, and it's just not in, it's not an interesting conflict because it just feels you just feel frustrated because you're like, why wouldn't you listen to her? You know, she should be running the goddamn town. She should have your job. At this point, I mean, because she's written that way. I mean, maybe if you don't want to have that reaction, maybe you have her fuck up once in a while. You know, but she doesn't miss. Um. I, I'm just saying, like, don't you hate that where it's like, just listen to her. She's probably onto it. You don't have to, like, let her lead the investigation, but take her advice under consideration here. It's the Beverly Hillbillies syndrome where uh, characters on a TV show can't be shown to grow or change or you lose the premise of the show. So that's why the Beverly Hillbillies in season one are complete outsiders baffled by Los Angeles ways. And then 10 years later in real life, they would have gotten used to Los Angeles ways. But on the TV show, if they get used to Los Angeles ways, you lose the premise of the show. So they still have to be baffled by it all. And so on this, if they begin to accept and listen to Nancy, you lose the premise of the show. See, I actually don't think you lose the premise of the show if the cop is maybe not necessarily jumping at the bit to do what she says, but at least takes her, is not a condescending asshole to her. If they're like, you've done some good work, we'll look into this. I have other stuff to do. I have to go make traffic stops. So it's not going to be my number one priority. So you get to be the lead on this almost in the context of the show. But like, I don't think it, it just, it feels stupid at a certain point. You have to give a reason for people and characters to act certain ways. And I just, I don't like it when people are just kind of out there being obstacles in a way that just feels like, okay. <laughs> unearned oh but then of course and then uh, the cops's fucking skepticism over the possibility of a crime being in progress here becomes even more ridiculous when one of their own is assaulted in a government building what happens kevin so they, they find this broken glass which is conveniently all in one bag in, in the dumpster and they take it to the police lab for some old man to uh, analyze. And so he has the bag and he's working in something that looks like, this. I think there's like a microscope or something in the background. So we don't know what he's doing, but it's probably scientific. And then in the room outside where he's working on, we see a man walk in wearing all black clothes. And then once he walks in into that outer room just before he goes into the laboratory. He then takes out a ski mask and puts it over his head. And I thought it was odd that he waited until after he broke into the building to do this. But I guess he knows better than me. <laughs> does he though? I don't think he does. He then walks into the lab with the old man and the old man says, Hey, who are you? What do you want? Ah, 
Yeah, he holds That's up. That's what his... you always say when I come in the house. Yeah, can you blame me? <laughs> You're telling me about things you say you've seen on TV. Then <laughs> I know that if I say I didn't see them, I'll never hear the end of it. I get scared. <laughs> always agree with honor. <laughs> Shut up. So he like holds up his hands like impotently. And then we we cut to the Nancy coming in and she sees she walks in and she says, Oh, lab man, where are you? Oh no. And the lab man is lying on the ground, very, very loosely tied <laughs> and very, very loosely gagged. But looking just completely helpless. It looks like if he just sneezed, all the ropes would come off. <laughs> He's in on it, folks. Lab uh, man is who he says so, he is. And so Ski Mask Man sees Nancy. And he makes a menacing move towards Nancy. And Nancy acts like she's going to jump out the window. And that strategy works. And so the Mask Man runs off. I don't want you to kill yourself, ma'am. I'm just, <laughs> just doing my job. And she crouches down be beside the old man, and she, like, reaches out and just touches the ropes that are on his wrists, and they seem to fall off. And then he reaches over, and he touches the ropes around his his ankles, and they also uh, fall off. It's an off. embarrassing affair all around. And did, did you see that this man, did he have a gun? Or how I did, mean, how ski did... masks are pretty scary. I don't know. And then how, if he did have a gun to have this man in his power, does that mean he had to, like, tie him up with one hand while he's holding the gun in the other hand? See, I, I guess I, so. I can see if you have two people, like, one guy has a gun on you, the other guy's tying you up. Yeah. So what's the mechanics here? I, I don't know, actually. If you have one, you have your gun in one hand. Maybe and, he got so scared that he fainted. <laughs> You look pretty. He, he didn't look scared. Yeah, he looked bored. He, he said, "Oh, oh, what are you? What do you want?" Ah, it, it was a pathetic display. <laughs> I love when you go off on some random aspect of the episode. Did, did it? Didn't it bother you? Yeah, it was stupid. But also beyond that, isn't it? Isn't that the dumbest thing you can do as a criminal? Like. Okay, we we the, the cops don't seem very interested in any of this, you know, and and you know in this case, if the cops get back uh, results from the lab saying no no there's no blood, there's no skin, there's no contact with a person, everything's cool. Then the cops can officially say we're gonna dismiss this. This is stupid, whatever. Because we all we know is this crystal was found in a dumpster. We don't know for sure where the crystal came. from. Yeah, the from. provenance is all fucked up. Chain Any, of custody is broken. Anybody could have thrown this crystal in the grocery store or dumpster. A defense attorney would go nuts with this. It's it's it's. And so all the lab guy would be able to say is there's there's no evidence on this crystal. Yeah, and that's good for the bad guys here. So sending in a, a hired guy to break in, assault a city official, and uh. You know, steal evidence seems like the biggest, like, Streisand effect a, a criminal could possibly do. You know? I mean, th that's just so stupid. If he, if they had somebody break in and covertly steal it in a way that made it look like maybe it was just misplaced, that might make sense. But making it obvious that it's, you know, no, we're stealing it. 
there's witnesses, you know, we tied your guy up and bounced with the crystals. It, it's just so dumb. It's dumb. Yeah, it's dumb. It's very dumb. This whole episode. This whole episode relies on characters acting in ways that no person would ever act. And then it turns out before the crystal was stolen, the old man had already completed all the tests. Yeah, and too late. <laughs> so the whole scene was pointless. And the test showed that there was no blood or anything on the crystal. At which point Nancy thinks, hmm, if there's no blood on this crystal that was randomly found in a dumpster, that means this whole crime was, was faked, probably, to try to get the kicker to throw a game for gamblers. So she figures it all out. And she said, the way to prove this is, George, let's skip the big game and let's drive and talk to my dad's janitor. And that really happened. Who's like a drunken sailor. And Nancy, it's not that he witnessed anything or he knows uh, about gamblers and their tactics and what they do or that he knows the kicker or knows the ins and outs of football. No, here's what they wanted to know from him. The time he went to Manila and got roofied. <laughs> And how did the roofie, how did taking the roofie feel? That's what he wants. To, they want to know the time he got drugged at a bar. Slipped a Mickey, if you will. And he tells them that. And he's like, yeah, I, f I had a headache. My ears were ringing. And they're like, aha, that, you know, and it's like. That's, that solves it all. Couldn't they have just assumed that he was roofied? I mean, like, wouldn't that just. Why did we need this guy to like, it didn't confirm anything. It just, I thought they were going to go to him and he'd be like, oh yeah, back in my day, we would, uh, you know, like when I was kind of on the wrong side of the law, we'd uh, kind of, you know, pay a boxer to throw the match and then we'd make a lot of money. Cause like, that would be stupid, but this just felt more stupid. It was just such a waste of time. And so then Nancy says, let's go off to the game and burst in on the control room of the television broadcast as the game is in progress. So I can bother the director who wants to get in my pants and make him show me the scene from last week's game where that notorious flashing incident occurred. <laughs> this director said it. No problem. <laughs> and so he shows the, the, the blonde girl was at the game last week and Nancy sees the blonde girl is with one of the bad guys. And she's, Oh, I'm going to go and tell, I'm going to burst onto the field and tell Mark Harmon he doesn't have to throw the game. And she bursts onto the field, and he says, well, I wasn't going to throw the game, Nancy. Sometimes I miss football kicks. It happens. I'm an honest fellow. I'm not going to throw the game. Why would I? Why would you think I would do that? <laughs> Come on. You know, why would I be worried about my family? I, I fucking hate my family. And so then he kicks the next uh, goal, and the team wins, and he's happy. Oh, no, don't forget, uh, Nancy and Mark Harmon do that, like, weird boxer salute where you have your two hands together and then you shake kind of your your hands above your head. You know what I'm talking about. Am I describing it properly? No. You, you describe that you describe whatever that gesture is called. It's like you're 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 like you're saying a prayer only your prayer hands are over your Oh my god, don't hit the goddamn mic. Only your prayer hands only your prayer hands are over your head, and you, you're gotta, shaking you them vigorously. You don't have to do it for them. You gotta lean in and talk into the mic. No, I'm doing it so people know exactly what we're talking about. So you gotta talk into the fun. mic. Talk. 
So this is what it looks like, what I'm doing right now. Oh, my God. You're so they both do that in a very cheesy way, and the day is saved, even though it turns out, I guess it wasn't because Chip wasn't going to throw the game anyway. So Nancy's role in this was moot. Cut to Carson Drew's law office. Which you had some astute observations of. They have a shot of the street where the law office is located. I always thought the law office was in his home because it has like a fireplace. It's very cozy. But it turns out his law office is over uh, a cigar store and a hardware store. And Kevin spits on him for that. Kevin apparently thinks all lawyers work in palaces. That's what they that's what he learned uh, as part of his six day weekend uh, law school <laughs> experience. So Mark Harmon and No, I mean what's wrong what's wrong? I didn't see any it's not like it's a strip mall. It's like a couple of like relatively classy looking retail locations and he's like the the level above. What's wrong with I I, I too also thought he was a in a home office. I think in some ones he is. Because in some ones they break into Nancy's house and they're trying to get the dad's files or something. So I don't think we're totally off base there. But I didn't see anything wrong with his office. It just seemed a little odd. That's not where I, I imagined him. There's nothing wrong. Many lawyers have offices uh, in a variety of locations. And don't you say that all, all, all lawyers are princes among men? I thought that's what you said. No, that's what you said. That's what you. That's your. That's your whole fucking thing. What is this? No, you're playing dumb now. No, what is it I say? I'm not gonna say it again. But I know, I know you believe it. So, <laughs> yeah, nice try. She just said, uh, "What all, did I say?" You said, Anya said that all lawyers are princes among men. It's a Kevin Greenling quote, which we know what's true. Where would we be without our lawyers? The idea of a word without lawyers so horrified Anya, she was struck dumb. I was just imagining people like dancing in the streets. <laughs> now, there was like a little tear in your eye. You're trying to laugh now to cover it up. It's really sad to see. World peace. <laughs> so then like Mark Harmon and Nancy and Carson and George are there and they say, what's, what's happened now? Well, all the gamblers are bad and they're going to be punished. What about this kicker? What's going to happen to him? Well, he did try to, he did think he was covering up a murder and he did know about, uh, he did know about an attempt to fix a ball game and he didn't tell anybody about it. So, I mean, that's pretty serious. He's actually a pretty bad guy. And, uh, then the janitor comes out and he, he's been banned from football and uh, is on probation, so his life has sort of been ruined because I assume that precludes him from having a professional career. So, you know, that's nice. <laughs> what the fuck is this episode? And then the janitor comes out and starts with some long-winded story, and everybody smiles indulgently. Freeze frame! Episode You ends. know what Kevin said? Kevin, being an elitist lawyer, said, Just push the broom, old man! <laughs> When this guy came out, this old sea dog, <laughs> Kevin didn't want to hear him tell his tales. I get enough sea stories from you. <laughs> Adi is always talking about her days on the sea. My days is Ani Grimes. 
Yeah, it. Uh, this was a weak episode. I, I just, I just feel bad for Pamela Sue Martin because I just really like her as Nancy. But half the time, it seems like these episodes just give more wind to like whatever dumb mystery is happening, and it's like just let her do her thing. You know, that's what the people want. Yeah, I'd argue this episode was a failure in every single respect. Uh, it wasn't at all entertaining or interesting. It was just a complete waste of our time to watch it and then to talk about it. <laughs> I think we need to reassess a lot of things about our lives. I think we need a six-day weekend after this one. <laughs> See if you can arrange that. What's your five-star final take? I would say that the mystery of the solid gold kicker really fumbled the ball. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.